Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to the Everything New York Giants podcast. My name is Adriana, and I am your host, also known as New York Giants Fangirl on Instagram and TikTok. And today's episode is going to recap the absolutely atrocious loss to the Eagles, 38-7 to on Divisional Weekend. I almost feel like there's not even that much to say because the game was so horrendous from the Giants' perspective that I I almost don't even know where to start. I mean, everything across the board was horrific from the offense who was playing with really good momentum, Jones throwing for over 300 yards, you know, the receivers making incredible plays, Isaiah Hodgins with a beautiful catch down the sideline, Um, you know, Saquon having a good running game, being used more in the passing, almost at 100 yards. It's just, there was so much good, you know, in the defense. The defense making huge stops when we needed them to. McKinney proving, you know, that this team really missed him being on the field. And Adoree Jackson shutting down Jefferson. We went from all of that to this, to losing to the Eagles in the worst possible way. And it it went from bad to worse quickly. Um, The interceptions, the penalties, the uh, receivers dropping balls, zero amount of run game, the sacks. I mean, it just, the defense can't stop the run for their life of them. Like, it's, the whole thing was so bad. I just, I almost don't don't know what else to say, right? Like I, I'll go through some numbers like I normally do, but I'm going to warn you, this podcast is probably going to be shorter than what it usually is because it, it, w- it was just horrendous, just across the board. So, um, all right, we'll, we'll start with the offense. Listen, Jones went 15 for 27 for... 135 yards, one interception, and he was sacked five times. And we, going into this game, you know, we all knew that the Eagles D-line is a hundred times better than Minnesota's and that that was going to be a problem for Jones. Not really for Jones. It was going to be a problem for our O-line. And, you know, it's unfortunate because our O-line played really well against their starters just a few weeks ago. And to see what happened in just a few weeks' time, you know, was just, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I know that Evan Neal has some developing to do. And if you're going to call him a bust, please, uh, I kindly ask you to shut up. He's a rookie. He's coming off an injury. He's not 100%. We have seen the same issues with Andrew Thomas. We saw it with Kayvon. Every single one of our rookies got injured this year. Every single one of them. And, you know, we'll talk about Joshine and Dable's press conference another day. It just aired today prior to me recording this, so it's very fresh in my mind. But, you know, Joe Shane's talking about that, how obviously these injuries affect the way that players play. It's not rocket science. So, you know, I'm not worried about Evan Neal. 
He's going to learn. He's going to improve, especially under this coaching staff. The Eagles defensive line is the best in the league. They have over 70 sacks, you guys. They are leading the league in sacks. He has gone up against them three times. And, you know, he's he's going to get better. It just is going to take time. So please stop calling him a bust. Give him another year, at least a couple more years, guys. He's going to get there. I know... It was the same conversation around Andrew Thomas, and all of us want Andrew Thomas to sign a 50-year, $700 million contract because he is one of the best tackles in the league. So just give him a little bit of time. He's going to get there. It's going to be fine. He had a terrible day. Yes, he did, but he is not the only one. So, you know, the whole team contributed to this embarrassing performance against the Eagles. It's not just Evan Neal having a bad day. There were five sacks on Jones. Yet again, he's running for his life. Yet again, we're sitting there questioning, when are we going to have this goddamn O-line fixed? It, it Maybe I think it was a mirage that it seemed like it was fixed for a little bit, but it's clearly not. And there are some changes that are going to have to be made. And you know what? Very poor performance from them. But Let's talk about the rushing attack because we ran for 118 yards. Saquon had 61, Jones had 24, Brita had 23, and Brightwell had 10. And you just, you can't win games when you do that. The run blocking was atrocious and the Eagles, again, front four just absolutely destroyed us. I mean, I I went live for most of the second half of the game, which was, you know, an experience. And, uh, you know, people were saying, why aren't we running the ball more? And you just, they weren't getting anywhere. I mean, I know we were having issues in the passing attack, but you come out running 118 yards on the game. You guys, the Eagles doubled our rushing attack and then some 268 yards on the ground. Kenneth Gainwell had 112. Miles Sanders, 90. Jalen Hurts, 34. Boston Scott, 32. They had two running backs have well who had well more yards than Saquon, who is our leader. I, I mean, you just can't win games when you do that. So now let's talk about the passing. Richie James led the team with 51. You guys, out of 15 receptions, there were 26 targets. And I will put some of the Jones on some of the blame on Jones for that because some of his passes were not the accurate throws that we have seen out of him. I don't know if he was stressed because he felt like he was running for his life. You know, we've seen that from him when he gets a little flustered. He's the accuracy gets thrown off. But you know, part of it is the receivers can't get open. They're, I mean, their cornerbacks and linebackers just owned us. I mean, there's no, there's nothing really else to say about that, right? Like we had, I don't think we had any contested catches. We had receivers dropping balls left and right. And most of them were clean defensive plays. We didn't get any defensive or offense, no, defensive pass interference calls on our offense. I mean, it was a clean game from that point of view. So, 
you know, having receivers that can make contested catches are going to make changes. I mean, I know that all of you guys probably watched all the other games and you're watching these receivers like Jamar Chase and even CeeDee Lamb, like watching them just make these catches when they're George Kettle. I mean, they have people all over them and they are still catching the ball. So we just don't have anyone that's capable of doing that on a consistent basis yet. We will. We will get there. We are not there yet. What I think is really interesting is that our receiving game, we had 15 receptions for 135 yards, and the Eagles only had 16 receptions for 154 yards. Now, I will give our defense props for one thing and one thing only, and that is that they held A.J. Brown to three receptions for 22 yards, and he had three receptions out of six targets. So, you know, the defense did something good on Saturday. Um, you know, they, like I said, they didn't have a ton more yards receiving than us. Obviously we couldn't stop their run. So they ran it into the ground and they did what they needed to do to win. And we didn't make it hard for them. So, you know, I just, it it was just horrible to watch from beginning to end, you know, and coming out of the half, I felt like, you know, we have an opportunity to turn it around. We've seen this team be a second half team. They have made amazing adjustments at halftime and they have turned games around. They have been down at the half and they have come back and won. And I don't know what happened, but there was, there was no momentum for them at all this game. They had one good drive when they scored the touchdown and that was it. They couldn't put together any more consistent offensive drives. The defense couldn't stop anybody except maybe A.J. Brown. And that's it. But Devonta Smith still had 61 yards. Dallas Goddard had 58 because, God forbid, we ever try and stop a tight end. And those are the only two guys who had touchdowns. So, you know, again, they held A.J. Brown to zero touchdowns, which I really wanted to see. But this this is the problem with someone like the Eagles is – You can shut down A.J. Brown, but when they have Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jalen Hurts, who all can either run or catch the ball successfully, get open, and make plays, they're a hard team to beat. And you know what the Giants don't have? That level talent. At all. I mean, we have Saquon Barkley. We have Jones who can run. Burita is a great runner. Don't get me wrong. Richie James is a decent receiver. You know, Darius Slayton is what he is. Hodgins is good and Bellinger is good. But they are not the receiving core that the Eagles have. So until we update and upgrade our talents, playing the Eagles is going to be a challenge. And my God, I dread it. I dread it next year, but I do feel better. We are going to turn things around. But anyway, um, listen, it just was, it was ugly for our offense and it was ugly for our defense. Jones had the fumble, which thank God we recovered the interception, which was tough. Listen, Bradbury is a good corner. We all wanted him to stay. It didn't work out money wise. And of course he had to go to the enemy, Um, But he knew what he was doing, right? He jumped that route exactly like Landon Collins did against the Colts. And they're just, that's what good players do, you know? And unfortunately, when you're playing a team like the Eagles, not only can you not afford any mistakes, but you cannot afford to turn the ball over. Can't do it, you know? 
Um, let's move over to the defense. Uh, the de- <sighs> Oh, the defense. Like I said, I will give them the, the, the smallest amount of approval, and that's that they slowed down A.J. Brown even more than they slowed down Justin Jefferson, which, again, I, I will give them a little bit of credit for that. But the missed tackles was unlike anything I've seen in my life. And maybe I need to take that back. And I said that too quickly because we have seen missed tackles left and right last year. But this year, the undisciplinedness that we watched in the first half was pathetic. And you guys know I love Julian Love. I want him to be a giant next year. I love who he is as a person. I love everything he's done for this team. But the um, he had five missed tackles. And he has normally led the team in tackles week in and week out. And I'm watching this. And I'm watching McKinney do it. And I'm watching Adoree do it. And I'm watching Leo freaking Williams do it. And I am like, what in God's name is going on? What, were you all possessed? Did someone gouge your eyes out? I mean, did you lose all strength in your arms? I don't understand what happened. And I am not going to knock these players' effort because this is not Joe Judge's team. They have worked their asses off week in and week out, and I will give them all the credit for that. And I don't think that it was a laziness thing. I mean, this was early on in the game where we were down 14 nothing. They had all the opportunity in the world to turn it around. And they didn't. And the, the sloppy football, I mean, we already saw it with the offense. It was embarrassing. But the defense, we had our three best players back on defense that were not there the first time around when they scored 48 points. And this time we have our three best players back and they miss tackles and they look sloppy and they still let the Eagles put up 38 points in a divisional round game, which we had no business being in in the first place. And you come out looking like that. It was pathetic. They had 69 total tackles as a whole the defense. And you know what? Philadelphia's defense only had 53. But you know what? (laughs) They didn't even need to get anywhere close to 69 because they didn't have anyone to tackle because no one could catch the ball. And we couldn't get a run game going. So that doesn't even matter. (sighs) Jalen Smith led the team with 14 total tackles, which Honestly, it was kind of shocking to me because I felt like watching that game, I was watching him like, like I was watching everyone else. Like, what? why can no one do anything good? Um, Julian Love had eight tackles, two for loss. McKinney, eight. Thibodeau, eight. McKinney had a sack and a tackle for loss. Um, you know, so at times, you know, it was times like that when McKinney comes up and makes this huge play and gets to Jalen Hurts. I'm like, yes, this is it, guys. <laughs> this is where we're going to turn the momentum around. And and that's where it stopped. We had one sack and five tackles for loss. Adoree Jackson had seven total tackles, one for loss. Dexter Lawrence had six. 
Gerard Davis, five. Jihad Ward, two. One tackle for loss. Fabian Moreau, Leo Williams, two. Justin Ellis, Nick Gates, Nick McLeod, Darnay Holmes, Jason Pinnock, Ryder Anderson, Aziz all had one. Aziz not playing that much. Listen, I am not, I of course do not want this guy's injury to get worse. But this is the biggest game of his career and the Giants season. And I don't know if they felt like he wasn't looking like himself and, you know, he wasn't, maybe he was 95% to go. So that's why they limited. Who knows? We'll never know why they really limited him. But I just expected more. I expected more from him. I mean, I expected more from every single person on this roster that was out there on that field. And, you know, all week, a big portion of the conversation was, you know, we're getting Aziz back. We're going to have Thibodeau. And again, we're going to have Leo and Dexter on the inside. Can we get to Hertz? Can we put some pressure on him? And they did. Maybe twice. But <laughs> it's not enough, obviously. But, you know, Thibodeau is yelling, you know, I'm sure you guys heard it too. It got picked up on the mic. I'm about to curse. So if you don't like it, skip ahead 15 seconds. Thibodeau saying he's getting fucking held every play. I mean, he, you heard it on the TV and still nothing. And I'm not going to blame, I mean, I am going to blame the refs for not calling the holding calls. It happens every play, every single week. It is infuriating. That's not why we're losing games. And again, I don't know what he has to do. I'm sure the coaches are going to get with him this offseason and they are, are going to do it. But, you know, right after that play, and it wasn't, the play wasn't even over. And he's yelling into the thing that he's being effing held, throwing his arms up in the air. I'm like, the running back is still running. I don't give a shit you're not getting the holding call. Go run and make a goddamn tackle. That is the stuff that infuriates me. That is the undisciplined along with the sloppy play and the missed tackles and the this, that, and the other thing. You can't do stuff like that. And I know that he's a rookie and I understand the frustration because as a fan, I am frustrated seeing him have his, he's getting yanked by the neck every play, grabbed every single holding scenario that there is, he has had happen to him this year. So I understand that he's frustrated, but the play was not done. Wait till it's over and then go scream at the refs. And then to see Sirianni's face right there, my God, I hate that guy. And I know you can all agree with me. Every single one of you in my DMs is like, I hate that guy. I want to punch him in the face. Listen, I'm right there with you. I do not condone violence, but he is an asshole. And I'm not going to apologize for saying that because I know you all agree with me. We don't even need to talk about him, but but it was infuriating to watch things like that from our team and then to just see him smiling and laughing and talking shit into the camera. You are the coach of an NFL team, probably somewhere in your mid-40s, and this is why I get on Tom Brady. I don't care how passionate you are. Brian Dable is passionate on the sidelines. I'm sure Sean McVay is passionate. All of these coaches are passionate on the sidelines. 
you do not behave that way in front of the camera. It's childish, it's immature, and it's ridiculous. And it was right after that Kayvon call, right before they were about to score, and I just, I was going to lose it. Like, insult to injury is what he was doing. And I'm embarrassed for him because it's, it's ridiculous to see grown men act like that. You're already winning. What more do you need? It's ridiculous. And I am very happy that we have a coach like Brian Dable who does not do shit like that. And if he does, I will be the first one to scream about it. He has been excited after games. He has fist pumped into the air. He has high-fived fans, whatever. He didn't go right into the camera and embarrass himself after the Vikings, after all the games that we won, when we were 6-1 and one and 7-2, and two, he could have talked a lot of shit. He could have made silly faces on the sideline. He could have done all of that, and he didn't because he is a respectable human, and Nick Sirianni is not. I'm done with him. Okay. Um, let's talk about special teams for a second. Gary Brightwell had five kickoff returns for 130 yards. The longest was 30. Richie James had one punt return, negative three yards. Graham Gano only had the opportunity for one extra point, which he nailed. Thank God. Would have been even worse if he pulled a Brett Marr. Um, and Jamie Gillen had five punts. The longest one was 48 yards and one of them was inside the 20. So (laughs) I don't know what else to say. This, this is how I'm going to end this. Yes, that game was atrocious. It was embarrassing. It was pathetic. It's not the way that we wanted our season to end. And it's certainly not what anyone expected going into that game. I expected a hell of a lot more, like I said, from every single person on that field. And you could tell by their press conferences and the way that they walked out of the field that they were also embarrassed, which they should have been. But they had an amazing season. They went 9-7-1. and one. They had a winning season for the first time in, what, five years? And not only that, they won a playoff game, which they haven't done in 11 years. So I will give this team credit. I will not let this ruin our season, and I hope that you guys don't. Because when you look back and you look at the strides that Jones and Saquon And this offense as a whole, I mean, we were whipping out trick plays last week. (laughs) Isaiah Hodgins almost had 100 yards. You know, (laughs) Daniel Jones is is in control of this offense. He's going to be a giant next year. Saquon is hopefully going to be a giant next year, too. I mean, there's a lot of really good things that came out of this season. And we're going to talk about this more in the offseason. But I know that game was awful. I know it. It was atrocious on every level, but it's not going to ruin our outlook on the season. And the best part of all of this is that we finally have cap space. We have $57 million in cap. It's probably going to be more when we start cutting some guys. 
we have nine picks in the draft, and we're probably going to make some moves in free agency. So there's a lot to look forward to. We have a very bright future as Giants fans. There's a really a lot of good ahead. Now, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions that Joe Shane has to make, and I do not envy him in the slightest. There are at least 10 guys who are going to be on draft on or unrestricted free agents. That's the word I was looking for. Um, you know, starting soon. And we we're gonna see what happens, but we know this is that we have a bright future. We have a trusted coaching staff and front office who knows what the hell they're doing. And what Joe Shane said in the beginning of this season was we're going to rebuild and we're going to win. And he stuck to his word. So I hope that that's enough for all of you guys to feel like, you know, we're, we're going to get through the sadness of this, the embarrassment, the everything of this Eagles game. And then it's excitement, full steam ahead. We're going to have free agency coming up, the draft, the senior bowl, combine all that kind of stuff and it's all good and the best part is that the Cowboys also lost to the 49ers so you know what there's no more weed and boys uh no more you know someone literally told I am not exaggerating when I say this and then I'm gonna get off here because this is irrelevant someone told me that Dak is a top four quarterback and you know what this is why I say that Cowboys fans are delusional and they are not very smart because anyone with a brain would never put Dak Prescott ahead of Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. I could keep going. You know what I mean. Anyway, we have confidence in our quarterback. Daniel Jones is coming back next year. They're going to get him back on a cap-friendly deal. And we are all going to hope and pray over the next week that our entire coaching staff is back that Mike Kafka and Wink do not take head coaching jobs because we are going to have a year two finally finally Daniel Jones is going to have the opportunity to have a second year in the same offensive system with weapons around him and help and we saw what they did against Minnesota you guys we know there's potential we have to get to the point where we can do that against teams like Philadelphia we are going to get there we are on the way we're going to draft linebackers. We're going to draft cornerbacks. We're going to draft wide receivers. We are going to draft offensive linemen. This coaching staff is going to draft the best players that are going to help us win. And keep in mind, we are also going to have four rookies back from season-ending injuries next year. We are going to have Wandale Robinson back, and we are going to have Colin Johnson back, and we might have Sterling Shepard back. So we're going to end this on a high note, okay? There's a lot to look forward to. It is wonderful to be a Giants fan. And I got to shit on the Cowboys one more time before I end this because <laughs> Dak Prescott, the mediocre quarterback that he is who threw more interceptions than Daniel Jones and more pick sixes than Daniel Jones, his cap hit is going to be $49 million next year. And now it's their turn to deal with cap issues, and it's not us. We have a very smart GM who knows what he's doing, knows how to work the cap space. And, and we got a bright future, okay? Okay? So 
thank you for listening. I hope, you know, we all had our little therapy over the last few days getting through this. And again, it's onwards and upwards from here, and it is all good news. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on Apple and Spotify. And if you're on Instagram and TikTok, follow me at New York Giants Fangirl. I will keep you guys updated on everything. You will be the first to know about contract negotiations, the unrestricted free agents, who comes back, who our draft picks are. I'm going to do a whole series on the draft. So I'm your number one source for all things New York Giants. So stay tuned. We got a lot to look forward to. Thank you guys for listening and go Giants. Mm -hmm.